spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Andy Ann's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Andy Ann from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hey guys and the end spoken label back in the house on wednesday evening yeah that middle of the week blues unfortunately so good way to cheer, good way to cheer me and cheer you up is get a friend in to chat with me and this lady is a friend I've never actually met her, but we've chatted tons of times, and she's been a guest previously, actually, back in February of 2021, Spoken Label. It's the lovely Susan Darlington. Now, hi, Susan. How are you today, then? Hi, I'm great, thank you, yes. Really nice to speak to you again. Yeah! Now, uh, what have you been up to since the last time we chatted, then? Pretty much more of the same, really. (laughs) Yeah, much of sameness. Yeah, I'm still kind of in lockdown mode, so still doing... uh, Lots of, lots of walking, lots of being amid, amid uh, nature, lots of writing still. Yeah, period. Best way to be, as I would say, definitely. So now, obviously, for people who don't know you, Susan, obviously, do you want to tell them, tell, I know, do you want to give what brief overview of yourself? Tell them, obviously, where you where all your writing originally came from. I was like, I was like you know, we'd have to go into like half an hour like we did last time. Or... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been uh, writing pretty much all, all my life in some shape or form. I started off writing properly in inverted commas through the fanzines in the, in the mid-90s, where I was primarily writing about music, which I, I still do. I'm still a freelance writer for, for various magazines. Um, but alongside that, also a, a poet. So I've been quite widely published now in various online journals and print paper journals. Um, I had a collection out in 2015 called uh, Under the Devil's Moon through Penniless Press. And uh, this autumn I had uh, a new collection out called Trauma Tropic Heart through Silicon Station. Yeah, that's what we're here today to talk about, really. Your new collection. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> On me again. Yeah, and you've sent this over to me to have a read now. I've really, really enjoyed this. I thought it was, but like what people obviously wouldn't necessarily know, but I really like your work, Susan, because there's a preciseness in it and the images are always, always excellent anyway. So you can tell from reading the collection that there's a lot of thought gone into this. So tell us, tell us about the origins of this collection then. Where did it all come from? 
I think, as I, as I said, I mean, I've, I've still been doing a lot of walking in this sort of post-lockdown period. Um, so I've been surrounding myself by nature, which I always find quite therapeutic. Um, but also it seems to stimulate my creative juices. Um, so I had quite a lot of nature-themed poems written. Uh, when I came to the point of thinking that I had enough probably to collect them together. Uh, and at that point, I came across the word traumatropic um, in a book by um, Paul Anthony Jones, who um, writes about mainly about a kind of archaic words and words for our time. Um, and the word means um, it's when a plant or a tree is damaged, but it continues to grow, often in some sort of twisted shape. Ah, it wasn't a word I was familiar with, actually. So that's why I was wondering what the context of this was and the, the book itself. Interesting. Now, yeah. obviously, obviously, with the collection itself, there's some very, very powerful pieces in this book, and I'm, some that I'm going to let people go for, work them out themselves. Why Traumatrotic Heart, then, first of all, as a title, then? Uh, well, I think I was using Traumatropic as a metaphor, really, you know, for the um, setbacks and hardships that, that we endure, um, but that can, you know, hopefully make, make us stronger or that can change our lives in a different direction. So I was looking at it from that kind of emotional point of, of view. And I suppose that there's lots of things in there which are about emotions and about relationships and, uh, and, uh, and personal change. Um, I think we still traditionally think of those things as being seated in, in the heart rather than in the mind. So, yeah, just kind of put the two concepts together. Yeah, now, what I particularly liked about this, um, the first poem was, and I thought it was a great way of starting the book off, this was. I, I love the way that if people look at the poem, you'll see at the end of it. And this is some obviously, you need to see where you're actually doing at the end of the piece, you put, the birds take wing and leave me then you're missing a line and putting that last word stronger mm. on a different line. And I think that's really, really clever writing because what you're doing, you're emphasising the point about strengthening it. Now, when you originally wrote that poem, was that something that you were in mind to do that at the end of it from the beginning or did that come a bit later, that piece, where you finished it? No, no, I think usually when the way, the way I write is often quite... Um, it's, it's more the image, in a way, and, and the emotion that I'm trying to capture. Um, so often I'll just write, and then there's quite a long editing process where I get it down into, um, I think, as you, as you said, lots of the words are quite precise, it's quite concise. And so a lot of it is chiselling away. Um, and that particular ending, as, as you say, I just kind of wanted to draw the emphasis. And initially it all was on one line. But like I say just dropping it down one one section, it really makes you pause over it and it draw, draws a stress on it. And I guess yeah. strong, a stronger, I guess, is you know one of the concepts of, of the book. And so really putting the stress on that was, was quite significant. Yeah, I think it's very, 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 very subtle, what clever writing that indeed. And that's what those other, and like I said, I don't look into tons in this book because there's some of it. It's very, very personal. I suspect it is to you, so a lot of people discover it themselves. But one of the other pieces I really liked, and it was um, after the storm has passed, and this 
I saw this actually presenter enough as perhaps the actual conclusion of the book for some reason, but you place it quite early on. Mm. So tell us about the um, the planning that goes into this collection for you. Because you, you were obviously, look, this book is a journey, that's obvious. So did you find, like, placing this poem near the beginning was something that was always in the mind for you from the beginning? Um, I think for me, in a way, the structure was sort of starting from a place of, um, or the concept of it was starting from a place of wanting to change or for the narrator to, to change and to go on this journey. Um, so it kind of moves in a way from a, a very nature-based setting to, to moving perhaps into a more domestic setting and of self-acceptance, hopefully. And I guess that the poem that you're commenting on there, um, I suppose it's about dealing with guilt um, or, or feelings of, of guilt towards somebody. Um, and so for me, that was part of the early narrative arc of moving beyond that guilt, really. And so that's why it, it sits in, at the start of, of the, the collection. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I think I'd actually go either way of that. The one line I want to ask you about was, and it's an interesting one, this was, you come up a line about the sand that vanished in 1927. Why 1927? <laughs> uh, there's, there's no great significance mm. to that year. Um, I, I, thought you, I thought you're not that old. I know you're not straight away. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it's more... Um, I think around that time there, there was... Um, I think he was in Ireland and there, there, there'd been some storm where you know, all the sea had been washed away and then suddenly it had, it had re reappeared. And I just kind of liked that, that concept, really. Uh, I think it's, it's not unique to Ireland. It has happened in, in other locations, but... It's just such a weird thing, is it? Your entire landscape changing overnight, and your hometown changing. I mean, having having a beach completely cha changes the, the the feel of the place. So, in terms of personal change and um, that, that kind of wider metaphor, it just seemed to it, it captured my imagination, but it seemed to capture part of the, the the breadth of that poem as well. Yeah, no, it does work really well. I know Amanda asked me to ask you about. The poem you wrote about your staff took. I was going through this before. As Amanda, people don't Amanda, my wife, of course. She particularly liked it's said when you're going on about the acorns as well. And mm. I, I've seen that analogy done before with poetry. It's, I love it because you're talking about scattered seeds and you're looking at under this case, under the oak tree, and wondering which one of the acorns is you. It's it's a beautiful symbolism in that poem as well. So, so. That was did that one come from one of your nature walks and did it near your levels? It's something something wrote a while ago. Uh, yeah, it's kind of um, from from the walks. But I suppose also about converse, conversations that you have when you're out. I mean, a lot of the walks I've I have done during lockdown have been with a with a close friend. Um, and we seem to share the same love of nature, and he's a great photographer. Um, and if there's standing by him when he's doing the photos sometimes focuses me on one, one particular image, which I then try and capture, um, which to a point, I think that, that poem was, you know, it's about friendship and, and loss. And I suppose that moment was about that friendship. And, you know, we, we all have losses as well. So. 
No, I think we have. Even when you're looking at obviously what we've gone through as a society in the last year, I mm. guess I've lost friends and I'm, I've come closer to a few family members as well. Yeah. I, I think it's obviously I'm not going to ask you directly on that, but yeah, I think it's we've had a lot of reflection in the past year. And I can see this in this collection actually. Was that intended, do you think, looking back at it in hindsight now? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the writing and the, and the themes in it during the writing process were, were very unconscious. Um, but, you know, when I sort of sat down and looked at the poems I'd written over the last, you know, 12 months or whatever, there were very clear themes emerging. And as you say, I think we've all had time to sit down and, and to reflect on our lives and what's important to us and the, the friendships that we have and the people that we haven't been able to see. And yeah, I, I definitely think that those things have come through in the in the writing. Yeah, you can see it straight away. Now, obviously, I just want to talk about one more poem in this collection because I want to, I want to encourage people to go and buy this book because it's not that expensive and it, the short collection is well worth your time. So, obviously, tell us about then the last piece. Translate the notes in, and why the significance of the quote by Francesca Woodman to start with? Uh, I think the quote, um, it, it's just kind of it's what's inscripted on this particular image. Um, for people who don't know, Francesca Woodman's a photographer, um, she's an American photographer who, who worked in the sort of late 70s, early 80s. Um, and I mean, I just find her images completely captivating. I would encourage anyone to go out and, and look at them. Um, and this particular piece, I, I, the first time I saw it, I was really intrigued. It's, um, I mean, I can, I can read the inscription now to, as part of the, describing it. It kind of says, then at one point, I did not need to translate the notes. They went directly to my hands. And that, that kind of image, just captivated me and I sat with it for a long time looking looking at the photo looking at that quote thinking I know there's a poem in here uh, I, I just need to, to to get it out and I was thinking you know it's almost what but the quote to me so I'll say is that suddenly you know you can do something so effortlessly that you you don't need to look you, you can you can just do it um and I think that's where we all want to be in life. I think we want to be living where we can, we can just do things so naturally. We can see it feels so comfortable in our body um, that we don't need to question it in a way. And that 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 was kind of some of the things that I wanted to try and convey in that poem. Um, yeah, okay, completely. It's a beautiful piece, Con. I also, because obviously we know you do all the music journalism, I knew you had to sneak a poem in and went, about, went on about music in some level, and it made sense of it a bit at the end for you as well. So, no, great stuff indeed. So, I want to ask you as well, obviously, tell us about the artwork that's in this collection. Who's done the artwork? I didn't notice that before. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a chap called, let me, I can, I can never pronounce it correctly, Muziba um, Oa um, Rahman, sorry. Musibar Rahman Ullah, sorry, I will get that correctly. Um, he, he was uh, recommended by a friend of a friend. Um, I think when putting the piece, the book together, um, I felt quite strongly that I wanted to have community involvement in it, really. I think doing anything in the creative industry, we, we all know that it's so hard to get anywhere. 
Um, and I think it's really important to support people with it within your community. I mean, that that can be local. In this case, it's you know, it, it's, it's a friend of a friend, but you know, it can also be you know us having this conversation and being part of those wider wider networks. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I've seen some of his images. Um, and I, he just seemed to have a real feel for, for nature, which is you know, one of the things that really comes across really, really strongly in, in the book. And so I wanted someone who, who could do that. But I'd also see, seen some of his um, watercolour work as well. And I just loved his sense of colour. And um, the cover of the book, he's got lots of rich reds and, and blues. Yeah. Uh, which is just really... It, he really managed to capture, you know, the colours and the, the detail that, that I wanted. Brilliant. I know he does, he really adds something, a real vividness to it straight away. That's why when I was looking at that, then the artwork inside, yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff indeed. So what plans do you have next to your creativity then? Do you have anything else in mind at the moment? Uh, yeah, I'm always uh, writing and tinkering away. <laughs> I think uh, the, the next project that um, I'm working on is a, a collection which um, is mainly around um, women and uh, experiences around women, um, you know, periods, miscarriage. Um, There's obviously been a lot around Me Too, which I guess has influenced some of the, the poems. Um, and I think it's written in quite a different style to, to the poems in these which wasn't a conscious decision it's just I noticed a lot of poems were coming out again with a very similar theme but in a different different writing style I so, think it's each, each collection you do because obviously like I've done a number of collections I know you, you've done two now mm -hmm. I think each collection you do is sometimes a reaction to your first collection anyway so obviously with there been a bit of a gap between your two collections do you look at them and you think to yourself I know I died a five year gap between my first two I didn't mm. even recognise myself as a writer from the first one almost. It had changed that much. Did you find that yourself though, with them in the, I think a six-year gap, six-year gap, isn't it, between the two collections? Do you look back at the, the different, you know, different time in your life probably were with them, probably weren't you? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone who's got a, a new book out looks at it and thinks this is the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, but I think... Yeah, I mean, I feel like this one fits together more. There's, there's more of an arc around it. Um, but I think the writing is, I hesitate to use the word mature, but I think you can tell it's written by someone who, who's got um, more experience in, in a way. I think there's, there, there is a continuity in, in some of the themes. You know, I think in the first book, there's still a lot of nature in there. Um, but yeah, I think those five years, six years be between the books has really left its mark. Hopefully yeah. in a good, good way. <laughs> I, found, I found, obviously, after the second book, I did the third one in about two and a half years, and then mm -hmm. I just, it seemed to speed it up a bit more after that. Whether it's down to confidence or I found I found my voice something, I don't know sometimes, but let's see, let's see when your second book comes out in February next year, February 2022, <laughs> then. That would be nice. <laughs> now, obviously... There's going to be a bit of a delay to this podcast going live anyway. And obviously, when it's been recorded now, I know you, you, you're starting doing readings again now, haven't you? So have you managed to do any in-person readings yet? Um, I have my first one lined up uh, oh, next do you? week. Oh, is it next week? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, thought, I thought you'd done it, actually. Oh, <laughs> blimey. 
Oh, blimey, but, but, but that feels weird feeling, doesn't it? Coming out live next week. It really does, yeah. I mean, I've, I've loved doing all the online readings. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's kind of how, how we met, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, um, it was. Um, was it Finn Hall's block from the blue? I think it was, wasn't it? Um, no, I think it was through Speakeasy. Oh, well, no, no, I know he can speak easy, yeah. But I've turned, yeah. I turned around and we got in contact. Anyway, I know yeah. it, it was either that or Jim Hugo. It was Jim Hugo's night. Oh, it could have been Jim's, yeah. Yeah, yeah Jim's night. Hi, Jim. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, I think it was that, and I got in contact with him through that speaking, their spoken label. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, doing the online stuff has been brilliant because it's helped me to connect with people in, in parts of the, the country that I would never have done. But obviously there is something about a live audience, which you, you can't beat that immediate re- reaction. So, yeah, it's, um, I'm looking forward to it. But at the same time, I don't quite know what to expect you know, in terms of how many people are going to turn up. Because I think lots of people you know, are, are still being erring on the side of caution, understandable. Yeah, I think a lot of it is because <coughs> up where we are, most of the nights we used to go to pre-lock and I've started up now. But somewhere where we'd have had 15 people going, I know one of them had six people. And when, when I went down with my friend a couple of weeks ago, mm. and it's, I think you're right. I think it's people are still being very, very cautious at the moment. And it's going to probably take some time for things to go back to some kind of reasonable normality, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we say normality, I think that's possibly the wrong word because it's going to be. A, I think we're going to see more hybrid events um, going forward, which I think is a real positive in terms of accessibility and and, and everything. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, oh, I was at one of them, actually, hybrid events fairly recently, actually, the other week, where I saw it on Zoom and the Dobbington, run by Zoe, um, Dobbington Writers. Oh, and, yeah. we, and me and Amanda watched it on Zoom, and it was very different to actually going just watching a normal Zoom night that we've done before. So it, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, actually, I did. So it was quite an interesting experience. I recommend yeah, it yeah, to I'm, I'm doing the next event, which I think is uh, back online, I think. Oh, was it? Right? I didn't know, that. didn't know that, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but, yeah, I haven't done any hybrid ones yet, but I'm sure that that is going to be the way forward. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting idea actually. I quite I like the idea behind it. I don't think Speakeasy is going to do it because we're all too technically incompetent to manage that. <laughs> but we'll see on that one. No, no, it's it's fascinating. Seriously, but it's well worth looking into. You can go watch some of the hybrid ones. I think it's really worth watching. Yeah, no, definitely. So, well, good luck. Good luck with the book, Sue. Anyway, so and I look forward to getting you back in again next year for your, for your third book. Definitely. <laughs> right. Okay. Seriously, to conclude and to get the big plug. Where can people get the book from? Uh, it's out via Selkirk Station. So it's available on their website, which is just www.selkirkstation.com. And you can buy it either in physical form or there's an e-version as well. On there. Yeah, which I'm looking at at the minute, actually. So see, very organised I am today. So, And obviously, where can people find you then? Find more about you then if they want to chat to you about this book. Uh, you're probably best finding me on uh, Twitter. So it's um, S underscore S-A-N Darlington. Brilliant. Okay, dokie, that sounds good to me. Right, what we'll then do, so we'll take a quick break and let you get composed and catch your breath. I know you're going to do some pieces from this book and I'm looking forward to this. So 
hang around everybody because really, I, I don't, I, I know sometimes I can say, I say it all the time, writers are well worth hanging around for. No, so I love Sue's work, big sell. Looking forward to it. So, right, guys and girls, see you in a minute. Spoke on me. Hi, guys. I'm still here with Susan. She's going to do five pieces in her collection. Over to you, Susan. Yeah, so um, I'm going to start by reading the title poem, Trauma Tropic Heart, um, which, as we've already touched on, is sort of setting the scene, really, for um, the, the journey that the narrator undertakes um, in terms of... Um, experience and learning from it and then becoming stronger. When the storm fells the oak's bough, I pick up the blackbirds that were nesting in its crook. I swallow them both beak first and they fly, resolute, into the heavy chambers of my traumatropic heart. They annex them with woven blankets, strands of wisteria that root and bind together fractured dreams. I feel my body cleave to their nurture. And when spring returns, the birds take wing and leave me stronger. Fantastic. Great start, that one. It sounds really, really poignant on live as well, it does that. Great start. Thank you. Uh, and the next one I'm going to do is also one that we've just discussed after the storm has passed. So after the storm has passed, in the pause before the sky has sunk into the grey sea, let's walk along the shoreline and find what's been returned. The disused, peeling lighthouse made listen with fresh whitewash. The sand that vanished in 1927 swept back with striped deck chairs. The coastal tree that's wind wizened and twisted pushed trunk straight. The stranded whale, grown new legs, heaved itself up and into the waves. And the love I once felt for you, buffed glass clean, buffed glass smooth even, clean of lies. Caught, you caught me out for a second on that one then. I had a bit head there was another stanza coming then and it shows you. <laughs> He's done with these pieces now, very, very excellent again, excellent too. Okay, I know you're going to do another one now we've been talking about, haven't you? They are, they're, they're getting shorter by the minute. This one's, uh, it's said. It's said that every time an acorn falls, it's someone departing their earthbound body. That when its shell cracks open, it's the soul's heart breaking for those it left behind. And then when, when its roots reach out, they're searching for friends who are already on the other side. I look at the acorns scattered under the oak tree and wonder which one is you. Yeah. It's got that one's got um when I was reading about Miss Hallsville, that's got almost like a musical tone to that one a bit more else. Probably because it's much more if people look at the structure, it's a much shorter piece. And the line lengths are a lot shorter on it. No, fantastic. Okay, I know you're going to conclude now with two pieces we've not talked about during the session. Now, the first one, people will put, we should tell people, shouldn't we? It's nothing to do with the Ibsen play, this, this first one, next one. <laughs> uh, no, no, I had um, 
one of the people who was kind enough to write, write an endorsement about the book, um, Hannah Stone, who's a lead-based writer as well. Um, and she referenced um, Ibsen's play in, in what she said. And when I first received it, I was very confused. I was thinking, what, what else are you going on about? But then, yeah, when I, uh, when I Googled it, it was like, yeah, of course, it's a doll's house. But I, I never consciously made the decision. Though it, though it, the theme of, of that play does seem to work quite nicely with the, the book and with the, um, this particular piece and anyway. So yeah, it's called The Doll's House. It was anger that made the doll shrink until she could barely fit through it anymore. Her hand grazing the white frame livid red and her shoulders snapping it from its hinges. It was anger that made the seams of her dress strain across her hips and the bud of her breasts, hitching the hem above flushed legs that kicks against the vermilion walls she'd overgrown. It was anger that made her smash a china cup through the rain-ground window that confined the stagnant air and towards which her waxy neck craned, growing long as it twisted to the light. And it was anger that gave her the voice to say no more, that made the doll's house crash down around her. And as she rose from the debris, it was the first time she could truly breathe. Oh, that last line there really melts when that one about the breathing. Wow, that's no tremendous stuff. Now, the last piece you're going to do, obviously, I'm going to let you talk, let you go into this one yourself, but obviously, it might be best if we perhaps read to, you read to people as well. What you wrote at the top of the piece as well as the footnote on the top of it i think yeah the, the the last one i'm going to read for you is called stone babies um and these are a phenomenon when uh, a pregnancy fails often when um it's been an abdominal pregnancy um but the fetus is um too big for the body to, to reabsorb so basically the the body calcifies um, around the, the fetus while it's still in the mother's body. Um, I think there's been instances of this where the mother hasn't known for like 20, 30 years. Um, and so they've been carrying this stone child around with them for decades, which I just think is such a heartbreaking image, really. Um, yeah, I know of, I know of some of this happened to actually as well. And they found it actually after she died. I remember the time. To the autopsy, and they found it, and they reckon it had been in the body for 50 years, apparently. Yeah, I, I just yeah. think that's such a obviously, it's, it's such a tragedy on, on one level. But on yeah, this, this thing has been carried around all, all that time, which is incredibly moving as well. I think very, very sad. It is what made you want to write this piece? And obviously, obviously, I want to once I could direct talk about this before because it's quite a sensitive topic. But what made you want to write about this thing? Because it's something, it's an. I don't know. I'm a man, so I'm just. <laughs> uh, I, I first came across them. Is um, you, you you may well be aware of it, um, a Manchester-based artist called Jessica Who. Yeah, and, I have. Um, yeah, and her last album was called Stone Child, um, and that that was that when I was first introduced to to the subject, and as I say, I just found it such a heartbreaking image in in many ways that. Um, yeah, I think there's quite a few poems in the book which deal um, to one extent or other with, with children. And um, it, it just seemed to fit in really well with that, um, 
desire and loneliness and, and relationships and I suppose I wanted to try and turn it around in, in many ways and look at it almost from that child's point of view. Yeah, I think you travelled it off really well with this piece, so I think we better put people out of the misery, Adam, and let you read it for us now. Thank you. <laughs> Stone babies grow here. Their colourless eyes closed in a dark shared dream and their once soft hands carved into a tight hold. In one another, they'll all have the company they'll ever need. And as I curl under the sheet in the thin grey light of morning, they make an unspoken pact to never be born. I carry their secret, unknowing, while their skin calcifies inside me, and my body shrinks around them, hardening until a third strata is born. It's just taunting that piece, it really is, so it's a great way to finish this session off, so... <laughs> people might guess my voice is a bit rotten tonight but anyhow apologies for that but anyhow Sue thank you again for today it's a fantastic yeah, collection and I, I do recommend everybody get this as quick as you can because who knows how limited it is it might it's probably those ones that are about 20 copies be printed and you could be you hang around too late but no seriously go and get it I recommend it so thank you, thank you again today Sue when the next book's out, you're coming back on again, whether you like it or not. <laughs> It'll be my pleasure. But anyway, hang around seriously, so I do need to chat you off mic. But it's been a pleasure today. So I've got it as Don Callis is of Impact Wrestling. Until we meet again, stay safe and stay over. We'll see you all next time. Spoken, mate.